I have an exciting update for you. So I just got AirPod, AirPods Pro. <laughs> Is that correct? I don't even know how to say it. AirPod Pros. Yeah, I got them and then I came in here. So it's a typical Christmas morning where you get your presents and then you have to leave your house for the mm-hmm. entire day to hang out with relatives. So I haven't been able to play. <laughs> they were delivered. I opened them. I squealed with joy. And then I came into this little room, which I got to turn off the AC. I just realized that. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. There is someone with a motorcycle that is like right outside of our studio right now. Are you serious? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't hear it actually. I think it's all in your head. <laughs> There's motorcycles in my head. You can't hear that? I just heard it now. I like to pretend that motorcycles are just lawnmowers. It's just (laughs) a much better visual than what's really going on right now. Someone's mowing our lawn. Like in a very aggressive way. (laughs) (laughs) I just also realized my camera wasn't on. (laughs) I just turned my camera off. Oh my god, wow. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I'm well, just, if she's not going to turn her camera on. I'm in a whole new world here. I'm let's, not. I, let's, yeah. let's talk about the rules around video communication. Sure. So I, f- I feel like the default at ThoughtBot is to always have your camera on. Mm-hmm. How long do you give it before when having like a conversation with someone else to turn your video off when they don't have it on? I give it just a, a couple of sentences. And if they're not turning it on in like a minute, I'll just turn it off. Or sometimes I just leave it on, actually. I just kind of leave it on. It depends, too. If it's a big group meeting and everyone's camera's off, my camera is off. (laughs) No one wants to see me looking at the screen. No one, you know, it's fine. I was just thinking about this. It's like being remote is interesting in that when I have individual work, I am so much more focused. I get so much done when I'm just by myself. But... When I'm on a meeting in remote world, it's a little bit harder to pay attention because I'm, mm. I'm on a screen that is like the world's most distracting device in the world. And you also have so much to do in general. So I have to be better at disabling my, <laughs> my browser tabs. <laughs> I close out. I did this actually right before <laughs> we hopped on. Just like I just close out everything else. Yeah. And good, I, yeah. everyone gets blown up on the screen so it's full screen and there's nothing to distract me that's great it's like you're sitting right in front of me it's really funny you say that because oftentimes if i'm taking notes then the people are very small in the corner and like my screen is really just like my notepad so in cases like that i'll make sure that it's just the notes and the person Mm -hmm. so it's still very very minimal yeah i guess very focused you're very good at, at doing those kinds of things. That's because I've been very bad <laughs> at it for longer. Yeah, you're just forcing yourself at this point. Sometimes you have to force yourself not to eat your vegetables because I think that's like overused and people like vegetables. You know, we've all realized this, right? Yeah. Am I just making a blanket? I No, I've found that I really love vegetables. <laughs> I was hoping that we would I've get to talk about food. I've discovered vegetables <laughs> at a that they age. are delicious. <laughs> I could talk about vegetables for a very long time, and I, I know that that's a waste of time. So, <laughs> uh, why? 
because this is not a podcast about this is food, a d- even though podcast. it kind of is <laughs> low key about food. <laughs> It's always been about food. What are you I know. I just about? love food. I can't help it. It's been it's a podcast about food and the weather, and hot dogs and pizza, which yeah, is which is which food. Is food. <laughs> so, what what was a problem that you encountered and solved this week? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> what problem did you make yourself and have someone else solve? <laughs> oh is God, that, is that more accurate? <laughs> What did I do? I, I had a kickoff call for a project in San Francisco, and that was pretty cool. That's nice. Did it go as expected? It went really well. I think because the, there's one person from the client team and one person from our team and me, and so it was a three-person team, and so it's maybe just like experience, but it's a lot easier to keep everyone involved because you only have to worry about three people. That's true. And so it's easier for engagement to be high. It's easier for people to make sure that they're getting something out of it. We went into, me and the designer went into it with a plan and then like promptly threw out the entire plan, which was also sort of interesting, but I feel like Mm -hmm. that speaks to our process a little bit, which is like tailoring it and being specific to the client and the client's problems and what the client's looking to get. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it was reactionary to what we learned in the morning and building off of that. Cool. Um, I don't know what else I did this week. (laughs) (laughs) Can I check my calendar? (laughs) Yeah. As long as it doesn't distract you. What problems did you solve this week? Let me check my calendar. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so you asked a question, but you weren't prepared with the answer? No, I don't. I was just just asking questions. Well, the New York team here is working on a workshop, a product design sprint workshop to offer externally to anyone who would like to be better at running or to know how to run one, a product design sprint. Mm -hmm. So uh, we just chatted on Monday and talked about helping them narrow focus on who their audience is. What are the value props? What are the objectives for someone who'd want to sign up for a thing like that? What do we want to say that they'll walk away with? So just kind of encouraging them to do less explaining and more doing for workshops and stuff in general. It's always a good rule of thumb. So that was cool. That was like the beginning of the week. Did some sales stuff, you know, figuring out engagements for how could we coach a early stage startup with conducting user research. So I think one big thing that a conversation that comes up a lot too is just in general, like how can we adapt and change with the current landscape of competitors and not just for work, but for hiring too. We've been saying this a lot, but like designer and developer those terms come with so many preconceived notions and I feel like every company has a different meaning of what that is. And we have a very particular, in some ways it doesn't even matter. Like the, that distinction doesn't even necessarily do us any good sometimes. I think it sometimes limits us because our designers also code. So they're very technical as well. And they do user research and also developers pop into user research too. And we've been encouraging them to co-facilitate design sprints. So they're, they're doing more of those things. And so it's, we're kind of blending into like just a person, just a person <laughs> with varying skill sets. They're a person. 
Yeah. That does product things. Yeah. You'll get three people on your team who do all sorts of random things that work together in this coherent cool. way. Yeah. We were just on a call that I was trying to explain this very thing. Mm-hmm. They were asking, well, like, oh, do you have researchers? Do you have mm-hmm. project managers? Do you have back-end system administrators? Do you have front-end developers? And we're like, well, yes, <laughs> but no. Right. <laughs> yep. We have two types of people. Yeah. And they blend very well together. I think a lot of us have been talking about stuff like that, and I think it's only a matter of time before we do some change, some housekeeping, and... You know, and the question is, how do you roll that out without being so disruptive? Or do you want to be disruptive? Or do you just start externally first? Keep the titles internally, but when client-facing, are we all just a consultant, you know? We've been working on stuff, too, in Boston on proposals where we'll use product consultant as who will be making up your team. You know, like two product consultants just because, I don't know. That's where we are. It's really weird. Like, I think we talked about this on Tentative, how we sort of changed out externally the job titles that we have Mm -hmm. to speak more towards hopefully an audience that better our role, our our job applies to. Mm -hmm. I wonder if, like, to that point for clients, should we be doing the same thing? Probably. (laughs) Should we all be product consultants or, like... It might vary, I guess, depending on the type of client and what they're looking for. Like for this client, maybe we could have had like five people on the project, two designers and three developers or whatever the makeup would be. And one designer could be project manager. One designer could be product Mm -hmm. researcher. One designer could be like visual designer. And then we could have one developer could be the front end developer. One developer could be the back end. One can be the system administrator. Like, I mean, yeah. Just give out fake titles (laughs) to everyone on the project. Yeah. I mean, that also is in line with how we do things anyway. I mean, we want to be flexible for our clients and their needs. So as they change, we should also, and we do already, change hats. But as, you know, designers can go from researcher to visual designer to prototyper to front-end developer. So we do all those things pretty seamlessly. <laughs> I'd like to be in the scheduling meeting where, with the client where we like, okay, we're going to bring in the visual designer. And it's like designer A. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, now that the visual designer is done, we're going to bring in the user experience expert. And we just bring designer A back in. I know. (laughs) I know. Wait a second. (laughs) This is the visual designer. And we're like, oh, yes, but they're also our user experience expert. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Okay. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But you can also take your TV watching to the next level. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. For example, you can use ExpressVPN to binge Doctor Who on UK Netflix. It's so simple, just fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to the UK, and refresh Netflix, and that's it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Love anime? Use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. But it's just not Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC Player, YouTube, you name it! 
There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit expressvpn.com tentative, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com tentative. Thanks again to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode of Tentative. It's cool in that, like, we all have a lot of ownership over what we create, you know. It's just, like, because we are different from other consultancies that are more siloed, we should maybe take note of that and make it so that we are just all consultants here. That Because we do, we all have different skills that we can use on a project, and developers just have different skill set than designers. Isn't this what IDEO does? I don't know. I was talking to a fellow design director who's out in the Midwest, and he was just talking about how they structure teams and projects. And they, you know, they use, they have little scrum teams of like four or five people who are the constant. They're always together and like the work kind of goes through them instead. So it's like they're working on multiple projects at a time. But yeah, it's just the same team, a couple of designers, a couple of developers, and a, a client liaison person. And they just kind of like get work thrown into them. So. Yeah. It just warrants a much larger conversation about how we want to move forward. I feel like all these little things can change together, but they would all make up a whole new thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's a lot of change for a short amount of time. So I don't know. I'd like to do some research about how companies kind of roll out things like that. Yeah. But we're very big on running experiments first, too. So even designing an experiment around that could be interesting. Running experiments as a product team is pretty crucial. Yeah, right? (laughs) We treat our company like a product. I find that writing the experiments is like the hardest part (laughs) when you're actually (laughs) trying to gather metrics. Yeah. I remember like for the MVTA project, that was like such a crucial part of as we're designing this tool for officials to use on the green line, we were like, okay, before we put this in the hands of people. Let's really talk about what we want to prove here and like what we want to disprove. And we had to sit and it was just kind of like making a, a excited toddler sit down and focus. Like let's say they just got <laughs> new AirPods and they just opened up the package and now they're recording a podcast and they really want to play with them. It was like a very similar vibe. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's kind of like, no, but I want to build a thing. But like, oh, no, let's spend like a couple hours and actually work through writing these hypotheses. And all that legwork in the beginning really pays off in the end when you have everything yes. set up. We've been including that as part of our process for the redesign for thoughtbout.com. Ooh. So we'll do what we call a content audit, mm-hmm. whether it's for a new page or an existing page. and. Mm-hmm. Do what you're saying. So create, like, who is the audience and what are their job stories? How do they, like, navigate to the page and what's their mindset when they reach the page? Mm. What's their goal when they reach the page? Mm-hmm. How does ThoughtBot know if the page is successful? And, like, what specific metrics are we measuring mm. for success? And then, like, what are the elements on the page that yeah. will help it achieve those metrics? 
And it's been a really helpful template to move through those quickly so that we can document those assumptions and validate them and have like a metric to like say, okay, we hit this or we didn't hit this. And we're actually now for the first few pages that we did this for getting metrics back and, and some of them are hitting the metric and some of them aren't. And so now me and Tori, our digital marketing manager, are going back and creating new tests to be like, okay, we didn't hit you know, the bounce rate on this page. What can we do to test out to see if we can make it a little better? And so it's been super helpful for us for those. I've been excited because on this new project that I just talked about, the designer sort of like took that format and reused it in a slightly different way and is using it on the work that he's doing on, on the project. And it's really cool to see how it's sort of iterated on at least the process of the template. Hmm. I would love to see that template too. Can use that. Love templates. <laughs> yeah. That's been sitting in my queue of like things that I should probably write about that I haven't gotten to yet. Mm. Make a calendar Someday. invite for yourself. That's <laughs> how I do most things in the future. I like just put it on my calendar. Mm-hmm. That's how I get reviews done. 360 reviews. I try and yeah. do that stuff as soon as humanly possible. If I have a free afternoon, I'm like, all right, what do I have to do that's like long term that's due like in two months from now that I know it's very time consuming. And I know <laughs> if I don't do it now, it's going to keep getting pushed because it's one of those things that you need to sit down and like actually focus yeah. on and can't do like 800 things at once. So that's something too. We're, we're talking about habits. That's like something I have been way better at. So that is the thing that's taken up a huge chunk of my time this week. Oh, reviews? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I have quite a few direct reports now and mm-hmm. I had to write reviews and I was, they were due last week and was late on <laughs> writing all of them <laughs> because I was like, oh, I'll do those later. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It took me forever to write my professional bio. Now we're having, you know, professional bios for everyone just to help along with the sales process Mm -hmm. because a lot of people ask, you know, ask for bios and stuff of the team team members. And we have a task of doing all the bios for everyone in Boston. Well, Josh has the task, the managing director, (laughs) but he and I are like yin and yang, Bopsy twins. So sometimes his work is my work and vice versa. So I was looking at all his tasks and I was getting anxiety like, oh my God, there's so many bios. But I realized like, no, it's his face next to every bio though. So it's okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on the hook right now. I should help though. But it took me like, there's something about writing about yourself. I don't know about you, but I just, oh my God, I'd rather do anything else. I just, I started writing a sentence and like, I hate this sentence and I would delete it. Be like, well, that was actually I pretty much captured it though. So I hit undo and the sentence is back. Trying to add to it. I can't think of it. Oh, what am I doing? And then after like an hour, I'm like, I hate, why is it taking so long? I, I just, <laughs> I, I can't even write my own bio. I'm not even sure how I can do anyone else's bio. I just would want to, I want to, you know, capture them, but I think I'm being too romantic with it or something. <laughs> romantic? Is that, is that the word? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what you're trying. What's your objective here? I don't know. I just, I feel like it's a bio, you know? It's just like, it's yeah. trying to sum yourself or your experience up in a few sentences, which, you know, I did that. But when I know something has to be very short, but very to the point with like a clear objective to get people to get familiar with you and your work, in my mind, like every single word counts. And then I just go, I just, it takes me a while to like find the word. 
Yeah. How do you feel about writing your own bio? I time box that to like, I think 30 minutes. And That's I was like, I need idea. to get this done in 30 minutes and ship it. That's good. Yeah. But I also have already existing bios that exist in random different places. And so it was just like a copy paste hodgepodge of like following the template that you know, was already there. Yeah. And then like copying and pasting from various bios I've already made and putting yeah. them <laughs> into the same format. The most fun part of that was like yeah. part of our bios are, are listing out blog posts that we've written. Oh, um, right. I didn't do that. Whoops. Gotta go back in. <laughs> <laughs> That's an optional thing. But I really enjoyed going back to all of the blog posts that I've written over time yeah. and like looking at the ones that I wrote in like 2010 and 2012 and just like the things that I was dealing with then compared to what I'm dealing with now, what even just like general designers are dealing with. It's just sort of funny to me. How well, tell change. me some, I need more detail, Kyle. Like what are some things do you, that you remember? <laughs> well, people can just go back in the archive of ThoughtBot blog and, and take a, Did you just do a read the manual at... to our, our audience? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to the direct them to our website. So That's that a good point. The funniest one, the weirdest one was like giving your type a workout. Your type? Your type, as in like fonts. Oh, sure. Okay. So this is picture yourself in 2010. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. And you know, think about the kinds of things that we were dealing with a type. Basically, you had a handful of typefaces that were already on the system that you could design with and that you could not use any like custom typefaces. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it harkens back to a good old days. <laughs> Do you mean when we had, we had to use like Cipher to like... If you wanted a custom typeface, yeah. Oh my God. I'm just, wow. That is a throwback. I remember clients being upset because the font would flash because the page would load like the crappy system font and then it would like really fast switch it like swap it out with like your designed font and people and i i it was really annoying to me too i thought it looked horrible and everyone hated it <laughs> that's really funny my first ever blog post on thoughtbot blog is describing font services juicy yeah. That's cool. I think mine was then, like, mine's definitely about user interviews. The one I was thinking about was get your type back in shape with these simple tricks. Nice. Boom. Oh, my first one was user testing gone wild. And it was about when things go wrong, how you can course correct. <laughs> so that happened. The first line of this is type looking a little flabby, overweight, want to give it a kick in the pants. Take a look at some of these tricks to really give your web type a workout. Whoa. If that doesn't encourage everyone to go read that blog post, I don't know what will. Yeah. It sounds like very relevant to today's times as well. <laughs> <laughs> From uh, nine years ago. Ten years ago. Oh my God. This is 2011, so it uh, is nine. Okay. It's almost nine. It's March 21st. So wow. Years to Your anniversary is coming up. It is. And we're going to keep it a mystery number? Mystery number. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting to that age where I don't want people to know. <laughs> <laughs>
Wait, we need a good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, we do. The good. The bad. <laughs> and the ugly. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. So you had brought up vegetables. I did. Full circle. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly on the vegetables. On vegetables? On oh just vegetables. God. What's your favorite vegetable? Let's like maybe start there. I feel like for me right now, Brussels sprouts. Oh, which is, I was if you told that. me even like 10 years ago, I would have laughed in your face. But Brussels sprouts are awesome. Yeah, I like those and I like mushrooms. Are they a vegetable? Probably not. Mm. They're fungus. So I'm failing miserably. I like broccoli. Broccoli Carrots. is really good roasted. Yeah. That's funny how some vegetables are just, when they're raw, you're like, ew, <laughs> this is horrific. <laughs> Broccoli's not too bad raw. No. For me, the I cannot do kale raw. It's just like the worst. Yeah, I'm a massage yeah. kale. Yeah, I'm not. I'm too lazy for that. You know, well, I got to say, one time I was making Brussels sprouts and I popped a raw one in my mouth just because I was bored and it was the worst decision I think I've ever made. It just kept expanding in my mouth, like just so many layers. It was, it was horrible. So that's so the good. The good about vegetables is that when you apply heat, they become even better. Most of the time. Most of the time. I think, I mean, all the time. Heat and salt. Ooh, That's all yeah. they need. Olive oil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just a tiny bit of oil, a little bit of salt, and you just toss them in the oven. Sea salt, right? Salt from what? the sea? Sea, yeah. Yeah. What's the bad? Pesticides? I don't know. How bad they taste when you're a kid? Why do vegetables taste so bad when you're a kid? But like, suddenly now I'm like, oh, these are not that bad. I read something about that. I know the answer somewhere in my brain, but I don't know what the answer is. There is a reason why that is the case. Is it because our brains just want sugar all the time? It could be. Sugar and fat and vegetables have none of those. I think I think that that's actually kind of part of it. Why do parents force kids to eat stuff? I don't know. It just sounds like... <laughs> because it's good for them. <laughs> yeah, but is it? You know, I mean, if you're not craving it, is it? All right. Anyway, the bad <laughs> is eating things you don't like to eat. When you're not craving them and you're being forced to by an overlord. <laughs> overlord parent. <laughs> What's I'm the, glad the, that you're not pointing at me right now. No, I'm not pointing at anybody. What's the ugly? I mean, vegetables themselves are pretty ugly. Looking. Yeah, they look kind of ugly. So just What's the themselves. ugliest vegetable? Ooh. That's really tough. I think like a, like a, like a yucca is pretty ugly. I think broccoli's really weird looking, you know? Like, I think potatoes are ugly. Oh, yeah. Especially sweet potatoes. Yeah. Sweet potatoes know, are really it. ugly. I hate it. And, like, if you leave them for a while, they become, like, aliens. They have, like, mm-hmm. growths. That was college, you know, college me. Just buying a potato for no reason. Maybe I'll eat that one day, forgetting about it, it growing <laughs> into a tree, and then throwing it out. That's good, bad, and, and ugly all in one avocados like green mushy it's just like when you think about it they're yeah. they shouldn't be appetizing I know. but they really are it's disgusting when you open one and it's so horrifying inside I guess avocados are technically a fruit right i don't know <laughs> well that's so. just that's a great way to end i think this episode. <laughs> you can find our show notes at tentative.fm slash 85 you can Wait at follow us. us on Twitter. Call us on the phone. You can't call do that. Us on the, 
<laughs> I said follow us, not call us. You can Maybe follow I'm not pronouncing us. things. I'm nasally right now. I'm, I've got stuffiness. Come on. <laughs> you can follow us on the Twitters, although we don't tweet very often at tentative fm you can email us at hosts at tentative fm which we don't really get any email so like come on up your game there a little bit people and rate us on itunes think about you know your favorite time you've eaten brussels sprouts mm-hmm. they've just been salt and oil or maybe they've gotten a little seasoning yeah maybe they got some balsamic vinegar in there cheese. some honey seen some places mix in some bacon whatever it is that gets you going with the brussels sprouts rate us that yeah think about that and then add like stars to it to make it five all right well (laughs) bye bye this podcast was brought to you by thoughtbot join our team dedicated to creating products people love to use With open positions at our studios in Boston, New York, San Francisco, Austin, London, and Raleigh-Durham, come discover a better way to work.